Hello all, and welcome to Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them, a show to help busy, mindful, and growth-oriented moms stay informed and inspired as they navigate their daughter's tween and teen years, with most episodes running 20 minutes or less. I'm your host, Carmelita Too. So this week's episode is part two of a conversation I had with Heather McGinley and Laura Koo, the hosts of Thirsty, the podcast. Heather and Laura are moms who've gone through divorce, like I did. My conversation with them was expansive, and last week in episode 32, I shared part one, which covered lessons that we as divorced moms learned about parenting, self-care, and living authentically. Our conversation went on to cover some stereotypes about divorced women and what not to say or say to them, as well as things we'd like to teach our daughters about relationships. Here's part two of our chat. Well, I've been sitting here thinking about like the post-divorce stereotypes that you might see in the movie where like someone gets divorced and all of a sudden the man gets a convertible and a toupee or the woman changes her hair. You know, it's like very like big changes. And it's kind of something that gets kind of laughed at or made fun of like, oh, they're going through a midlife crisis because they just got divorced and now they're doing all of these things. And I'm like, as we're talking, I'm like, but that's really what happens when you get divorced because you do find yourself again. Like those people aren't going through a midlife crisis it's like a reawakening as like what those pieces were of yourself that were kind of hiding and being able to come to the forefront. Like how great is that? But it kind of gets misconstrued that like, Oh, they've lost it and they're divorced and they don't know what they're doing. And so they're making all these drastic changes when, in, cause I think about my life, like in my post-divorce life, I have a different house, a different car, all different furniture, a different hair color. Like my life looks very different from the superficial level from what it was when I was married. But that's really been my path of finding all of the things that really do make me happy and make me who I am outside of that kind of one note life I was living where I was went to my job and I was a mom and there was really nothing else to me. I didn't have anything. I didn't know who I was. And now I'm like, well, I, I am who I was meant to be. And I've had that opportunity to find it. Like, I think that's very exciting and very fun. But if somebody doesn't know me, it's like, oh, she dyed her hair pink and she got a tattoo and she did these things. And it's like, well, that's part of my path and my process. And I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's like an awakening. It really is. And you lose friends in the pro. I, I lost some close friends through my post-marriage awakening. They were like, it seems like you're flailing. Cause I was talking about going back to school. I was acting different. They were like, who is this person? And they took it as I was falling apart, but I wasn't, I was actually mm. waking up and people mm. just may not be used to it. And I think it's so easy to put the negative spin on failed marriage. You know, they're falling apart, midlife mm-hmm. crisis, when the reality for, I know this was true for me and Laura was true for you and Kat sounds like it was true for you and a lot of other people. It's an awakening. It's an evolution. It's actually a positive thing. It's just, it's different from what people may have seen before when you were in the box. This is making me think about, like you were saying, like there is this stereotype of divorced people going through some sort of crises when in fact, it's like a huge opportunity. It's this chance to think through and rediscover what it is that you want to be and who you want to be, how you want to show up, um, which sometimes conflicted with, and tell me if you agree, uh, the very real struggles of being a single parent. You know, So I remember shortly after my split, making sure I told the teachers so they were understanding of what was going on at home in case it showed up at school and, and the way they behaved or their grades. But there was definitely like this tone of sympathy, which I appreciate because 
there's difficulty and it's hard being the only parent at the same time there's more to that like there's the flip side is all that opportunity yeah there's more than just the downside if you had to encourage moms to think about how to support single moms or other women going through divorce is that one of the things that you would say i think for me that might be like you know both give me the sympathy but also celebrate with me <laughs> what yeah. else is there anything else that comes up for you guys well, first, I was very embarrassed of my divorce and kind of shameful because it was the first life transition I'd had where it wasn't this exciting announcement, like I work, you know, in an office and you get engaged and you show your left hand and you're pregnant and you're like a little nervous to share, but you have a cute little bump and then people are excited for you. You're buying a house, like all of these other milestones that I had had that were so easy to share. And I had a really hard time coming to terms with how I talked about this transition in my work life where people didn't know a lot about my personal life. I had a very supportive boss, so he knew what was going on, which really helped, but it was hard to know how to talk about it. So I felt a lot of shame about that. It's taken me a long time to just like very openly be like, whatever, this is my life. Like, I'm fine with it now. But the I'm sorry's were so hard because you want to, I would always want to respond back and be like, well, I'm not like on it. Like I, I was the one who, I mean, I wasn't happy to kick off the divorce process, but I was the one who quote unquote left and made the choices and all this stuff. So I'm not sorry. I'm actually you know, ready for this to happen, get finalized yeah. or wherever I was at in the process. But the other thing that I would hear a lot from moms who are married, um, don't you miss your kids? I would always get that oh. question when they go to your dad's, don't you miss them? And I'm like, and it's so, you know, the best way I have well, A, don't ever ask anybody that because that's such a hard thing to hear, mm -hmm. but also how I explain it. And I'm like, when I have them, it's just me. I am doing all of the things. There are no handoffs. If someone's throwing up, I'm handling that, managing the other kids. Like there is no downtime when you're the only parent in the house. So I have those four or five days or whatever our stretch is where it is just me doing all of the things, everything. And then when they go to their dad's, then I get to decompress and I get to do my things. And I know that they're with their other parent who loves them, but I've had, it's like parenting on, you know, steroids when you're mm -hmm. the only parent there. It's just so hard to explain that kind of imbalance where it's like, I get plenty of them when we're all together right. and then they get to go and spend and do other things with their other parent. And that's so great too. But that question would always just be like a kick in the stomach. And kind of my other thing too is if you know someone who is recently divorced or whatever, getting back into dating, ask them about their dating life. Because I feel like I don't get asked about my personal life in the way that I will ask people about their spouses. Mm. Um, I think they don't know how to navigate it. But like if I'm dating someone, I want to talk about them. And it always mm. can feel a little awkward bringing that into the conversation. And mm. it would be nice to be asked about it. I had a really big reaction to, because you're right, Laura, earlier when you were saying, um, well, don't you miss your kids? Mm. You know, and something else that I'll see a lot, you know, because there's a lot of Facebook mom groups and sometimes divorce will come up and without fail, there's always at least one person that comments and says, well, I could never give up time with my kids. I could never not be with my kids all the time. It is a punch in the gut when I see things like that. And also I, I would say I violently disagree with that sentiment. I mean, a big part of me post-divorce as a mom is my brain has expanded 
in so many ways. I think often we have this very narrow view of what a good mom is, a very narrow view of what girlhood is, like all these narrow views. And I didn't even know it till now. Me being a good mom is me going for a run. Me being a good mom is going to work and making mm-hmm. money to feed my children. There are so many, and making myself happy, going to therapy, doing things that I need to do to take care of myself. That's me being a good mom too. It's not mm-hmm. just, it's not only being with your kids, taking them to the playground. Like, I think people just have this idea, you're a good mom if you're with, you know, it's like the stay at home yes. mom versus yep. working mom thing too. Yep. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom and you don't have to be in the room with your kids all the time to be a good mom. That's such a narrow view of what motherhood and parenthood is. Well, there's mm-hmm. all this mom guilt and you don't hear dad guilt in the same way. And I'm going to guarantee you that most dads, divorced dads probably don't get asked the questions that we're getting asked because dads get, you know, called out for being so great for babysitting and things like that, yes. that moms, moms don't get those yeah. comments. And again, dads don't get this dad guilt piled on them the way that we do where, you know, I would working full time and I couldn't pick my kids up at, after school, they'd go to aftercare, like all of those things. And I would feel so guilty that I wasn't showing up in the way that as a mom, I felt like I should, because all the other moms are on the playground. And now that I'm home because of the pandemic, I still feel guilty about it, even though I know the reason I wasn't there is because I was working, which I needed to do. And I like showing my kids that I'm a strong working mother and all of those things. But that guilt inside of you of not being able to show up in all of the ways that you're expected to is really hard. And I think that's where, again, with this kind of post-divorce life that just gets layered on in a different way and it hits so hard. Well, and I think too, I think a good question to ask yourself especially as a mom, because that narrow view, again, pushes you into a box with the way society has set that out with motherhood. Are you showing up to your life as your whole self? Are you just showing up as, you know, someone that is with their kids all the time, which is so important, but is that your whole self? Is that all of it? Are you showing up authentically? And I think that's a good thing to ask yourself because a lot of moms don't have hobbies. They don't go out with their friends. And it's yeah. just like, are you bringing your whole self to your life or are you putting yourself in a narrow view of what society tells you you need to do to be a good mom? That question of how could you or don't you miss your kids? There is no right answer right? It's an unfair question to ask. And I think that if someone is tempted to ask that or feels that coming up in their head, like you were saying, Heather, maybe ask, where's this really coming from? You know, is this coming from beliefs I inherited from the cultural stereotypes that have been fed to us, antiquated gender roles? You know, are there things that are feeding into this notion of how I'm defining mother that makes me want to ask this question? And Laura, your point about asking about dating I would imagine some people, like you said, don't want to ask someone, you know, are you dating or or have you started dating yet? Just in case it's a sore topic, unless they know you well, they might not know if the terms of the divorce were amicable or what led to the separation and, and the split. Um, do you have thoughts on kind of an appropriate way to approach that? I think asking even in a messy way, even with tons of caveats, like, I don't know if you're dating yet, but if you are, I want to know, like, would that have been okay? I think so, because I think it just, it opens that door because I feel like it is so hard on the other side of it to like try and put that to the forefront again. I didn't have anybody locally going through this when I was getting divorced and starting to date again. And it was just really lonely because who do you talk about with, you know, it felt really isolating. Um, But the, once someone knows also 
that you are, then I feel like then the doors open. It's so much easier for them to like, again, like ask in the same way that I would ask about your husband. Like once, once you're aware of it, that that is part of my life, then it should be reciprocated in the same way. Like, Oh, have you met anybody new or how is that going? I didn't really get a lot of those questions and it would have been nice to kind of have that. But yeah, I think for the initial okay to be a little messy because it's all a little bit messy. And quite honestly, I think nine times out of 10, you're either going to get a nope, not ready for that yet. Or, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. <laughs> like, let me tell you this crazy story. I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and too, like in terms of practical advice, I would say too, if you're feeling uncertain, something that's always a safe question, Hey, so what's going on in your life lately? You know, what have you had going on? What What's happening? I want to hear what's up with you. Because that's an open-ended question that someone can answer however they feel is appropriate. And once in a while, I've just said those things to people where I felt like things were going on. It's like, so what's going on with you? What, what's been happening lately? And they'll say, well, what do you want to know? And my answer will just be whatever you want to share. I, I think that's the root of it. Expressing that someone else is interested in your life. It's mm. not like... Like some of my good girlfriends say, I mean, you're allowed to do this when you're a best friend. Uh, they'll be like, what's the crazy dating story of the week? Yeah. You know, they'll say things like that, you know, but I know at the root, they care about me. They want to know what's going on in my life. As long as that part is bang on, I feel like the rest of it's okay. So you just have to ask yourself, make sure that that's why you're asking. Mm. And I would imagine this, that kind of open-ended question for any any single mom, whether they're close to divorce or not, is probably the right take. Again, I think there might be a tendency to kind of have pity for the single mom, which I definitely felt like there were undertones of pity sometimes when people would ask how I was doing or, you know, try to empathize with my situation. And I was like, really? You know, it's more good than bad. Like, <laughs> So yeah. I don't think I need your pity. Um, but asking like, yeah, what's going on instead of the, so really, how are you? <laughs> As if my, yeah. hey, I'm good, was not good enough. Yeah. And on the other side of pity, I think also what I would get sometimes was kind of the little judgier question that, you know, don't, don't move on too quickly or don't do something too rashly or don't make these crazy decisions as if like, that's my track record. And I'm just going to like marry the first person I date after a month, but that's kind of how it would feel. And I'm sure those comments do come out of caring, a caring place, but sometimes that's hard to hear. Cause it's like, I trust myself and what I'm doing and you need to trust me because you're my friend and I've never shown any reason otherwise. But I think that drastic difference in life status makes people assume that you're going to just like run off and do something, just not change your hair color, but like, you know, change your marital status again in a week or something. <laughs> Well, I think it's so like, I, I think it's so important to reframe it. I mean, y'all have both touched on this. My life is great, you know? And I think this whole thing of like, oh, you're a divorcee. Oh, you're a single mom. It's like, it's not true. It's not true. My life is so much better now than it was before. I have a good life. I'm happy. I have friends. I go out. Things are good. Like there's nothing to pity here. I think everyone has good things, bad things, Um but it, it all kind of evens out in the end. That's how I feel. Yeah. I like what, what you said, Laura, and it connects with what Heather was saying, but kind of trust that I am okay. Like, you know, I haven't done anything to make you think that I don't have the ability to make sound decisions. So trust me. And also, if people are seeing you show up in this way, if they're having negative thoughts or questions or a little bit of an internal discontent, you know, maybe that is a sign that for, for someone else, like 
you might be thinking you're trying to ask me questions out of concern, but really, are you looking for something wrong with how I'm living right now to make you feel better about what maybe you're hiding or suppressing or the ways that you're not being fulfilled? Well, and I really hope we can teach our kids that because I think cerebrally, I thought I understood that, that, oh, I don't have to get married. I don't have to have kids, but I don't think I really took that Mm. to heart. I think I still felt like gold standard is get married, have kids. And what I really want to teach my daughters, because I think girls have a harder time with it. I mean, you meet plenty of men that are lifetime bachelors. They have no qualms about it. Women, not so much. And so I really hope I can impart that to my daughter that truly that is not better than any other path you might choose in life. I'd say bachelor life and spinster life are portrayed very differently. Like bachelors (laughs) are attractive and they're out living their life and they have a boat and they're doing all these things and spinsters are home and they're alone and they're sad. And like, it's, it's it's such a different viewpoint that I feel like you grow up with. Like you play the game old maid growing up. Like that's what, that was your life. If you didn't get married, you're going to be the old maid. Like how depressing Mm -hmm. is that? So I do think it is a very different feel for our daughters and kind of what they want for themselves and being able to, again, like having a mom and nothing wrong with stay at home moms, but having a mom with a career who's paying the bills and taking care of the house is a great thing for them to, to look at and to model and to understand. Um, and I like showing that to my kids and my girls especially ask a lot of questions. Do you like your job? What do you do for your job? Cause mm. I sit at home on a laptop. So they're trying to understand that, but I love being able to tell her I love my job. I think my job Mm. is so great. This is what I do. And this is how it helps people. And they're really interested in that. And I like that I get to show that to them and that I get to show that I do these things on my own. And sometimes maybe I'm crying and that's okay because we're getting through it and we're doing it still. So (laughs) what I'm hearing and loving are so many kind of general relationship lessons that I wish I had learned and that, you know, all moms can aspire to teach their kids. So redefining what successful relationships look like, normalizing singlehood for women as a choice and how it can be wonderful, and making sure to model those um, independent thoughts and decision-making skills, even if you're married, so that if your daughter chooses not to be in a relationship, then she can see what it looks like to to make those financial decisions to take on things on her own and and it's not scary and it's not foreign and it's not something that she sees as inferior because she's not doing it with someone else it's hard because i feel like the message of the gold standard is so powerful Mm. and pervasive it's taken me 43 years to learn to let that go it's so powerful so it's a big challenge as a mom to try to offer an expanded worldview beyond that. And I think it's also this idea that I think about a lot as I think about what I, you know, if I partnered up again and, you know, within the same household or whatever my path is, but I always want to have it be a want and not a need. And so I think Mm -hmm. raising, again, your kids with that idea that like, you can take care of yourself. You can do all of those things. You don't need to be with anybody. And the person that you end up with should be somebody that you want, not that you need anything from them. Like I can sustain my household. I can take care of what I need to do. I can fix things. I can pay for things. I can do what I need 
I don't need a man to come marry me so that I can share, I mean, I'd love to share my mortgage payment because it's very attractive <laughs> to me, but um, I don't, I don't need it. I'm not floundering and waiting for this man to come in and save me. And I like that my kids won't see that for me if I get married again. It's not because we needed someone to come in because we're going to lose the house or, you know, something is going to happen. Like it's because mm -hmm. I have met someone and I can model a great relationship to my kids. And that is what they can see from that. And that it was a want and not that I needed to meet someone ASAP or we were going to be in trouble, like, and they can grow up to do that for themselves. So something that came up with me, Laura, while you were talking was wanting more from life. Your podcast is a lot about wanting more is that that's your tagline is that right yeah yep it is so yeah our podcast is called thirsty and heather and i spitballed a lot of names for it trying to decide what to call it and we kind of landed on the idea of thirsty which can kind of have some salacious undertones to it but we really you know we're thinking about it from the angle of you know sometimes life leaves you wanting more and that's kind of what that journey is for us so we share a lot of sometimes hilarious dating stories, sometimes some like mushy gushy good um, relationships that we've had and layer in some things about post-divorce life. And again, it really is that idea of just wanting more for yourself and that there's so much more out there for you. Mm, I love it. You know, I'd like to end my episodes with affirmations or thoughts or quotes that you might want to impart to the listeners as the last thing they hear. So do either of you or both of you have something you might want to share? Two things. Two things. A quote from this book, Untamed, by Glennon Doyle. There's so many aha moments in it. So she left her marriage. There were issues there, but she also met a woman who is now her wife. And she realized that was who she really was and that she'd been living life in a way that was not authentic. And so she shared a story about how she was taking a bath one day and she was thinking about like, oh, what if I were to like leave my marriage and be in a relationship with a woman? Cause she was starting to realize that she was not straight. Mm -hmm. And she said that as she was thinking about this other life, the unlived life, mm -hmm. that life that is different from your reality, that in your mind, you're like, I would love to go do that. And a lot of times we say things like in another life. Maybe that would be true. And Glennon Doyle, at the end of sharing the story, she said, how funny that we say in another life as if we had more than one. Mm. You know, and that hit me so hard. And that was actually the moment I was like, I have to get a divorce. This is not working. I'm not who I am. I'm not living authentically. And I get one life, mm. one life. And that's real. It is real. You get one life um, and you're in charge of what happens love both of those. Laura, was there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I think I think about that a lot too, just of what I want for myself and that idea that this is kind of my not do over, but it's that next step and it's exciting. And I think that is the most important thing. Like it isn't sad, it's exciting and empowering and wonderful. I am so grateful for Heather and Laura sharing their insights and wisdom with me. Here are some of my key takeaways from this one. Number one, avoid saying I'm sorry. Saying just I'm sorry conveys sympathy for a loss, but also fails to acknowledge any gains. And in many divorces, the gains outweigh the losses. I know you've been going through a difficult time, or that must have been hard, can be supportive alternatives. Number two, please don't ask, don't you miss your kids? I could never not be with my kids all the time. A mom being asked this can feel like she's being judged, 
If she says yes, she's pitiful and pathetic. Or if she says no, is she bitter and uncaring? So it's best not to ask this at all. Number three, if you've been asked about your partner, you can also gently ask a divorced mom about their romantic lives, not in a nosy way, but from a place of caring. It might feel awkward and messy at first, but if it's coming from a genuinely good place, that won't matter. It's more important that she knows you care. Number four, check your assumptions and biases about divorced women and single moms. While their experience is different and can be difficult in ways only they can understand, it doesn't mean that they are worse off or that their situation is a sad one. Number five, here are some things that we're thinking about when raising our daughters that we might not have learned if not for our divorces. We want to redefine what successful relationships look like, normalize being single as an equally valid lifestyle or choice, and model independence and self-sufficiency. So important. To learn more about Heather, Laura, and Thirsty the Podcast, you can visit thirstythepodcast.com and follow them on Instagram at thirstythepodcast. Those links are in the show notes, so check them out. Remember, you have to take action to be something. And by listening, you're doing the work and showing that you are a strong, growth-oriented woman and mom. So high five to you. Don't forget to follow at Them on Instagram and Facebook. And if you found something helpful or insightful, please subscribe or follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. And here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, and may we raise them.